Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Expectation Church podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that you will be blessed, encouraged, and inspired by this message. We're going to go through one or two, maybe three passages of Scripture that I believe God has put on my heart. And the first one where we're going to start is in Numbers, in the Old Testament. And what we're doing is we're going to look at the people of Israel, the people of God. They came out of Egypt, out of a land of slavery, where they were put to work under terrible conditions. And God delivered them through Moses. And you know, Exodus is the story of the deliverance, but the next book is Numbers. And so at this point in their journey, the people of God are like, anyone remember how many years they were in that wilderness before they got to the promised land? 40 years. So we're, we're kind of in the middle of that. We're not yet at the promised land, but they're, you know, a bit like us with the fast, but they're probably still remembering the stuff over in Egypt. You know what I mean? They're not quite at the promised land yet. And what happens is back in Exodus, the people were starving. They were really hungry. And God provided from the, for them food from heaven called, tell me what it is, manna. It's called manna, this heavenly angel's food that he provided for them in Exodus, a miracle. Literally, it dropped from heaven. And in the morning, they went out and collected it. Incredible, like an absolute miracle from God. But by this time, we're in numbers and the people, their tastes have changed because they have been eating manna for the last 20 chapters of Exodus. Yeah. And so we're in numbers 11 and I want, I'm going to read it out and I want you to listen to what it says. It says this. Now the mixed multitude who were among them, among the people of Israel, yielded, gave in to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? Oh, we remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. Is anyone there this week? (laughs) The cucumbers, mine's like the chocolate, the melons, the leeks, the onions, oh, the garlic. We remember all that food that we had in slavery in Egypt. But now, listen, but now our appetite is gone. Our appetite is gone. There is nothing at all to look at except this manna accept this manna. And just on a side note, before I get into the point of this, it says this, the mixed multitude who were among them. You see, the people of Israel were set apart unto God. They came out of Egypt to enter the promised land. But a mixed multitude was a group of people who went with them, who were not fully sold out for God. And actually it says that the mixed multitude yielded to the craving and influenced the people of God. Can I say this? You be careful who is influencing your hunger in your life because it has a greater effect on us than we realize who we are surrounding ourselves with, who is influencing what you hunger for. Is there a relationship, a friendship, whatever it is that influences you, not towards the hunger of God, but towards the hunger of something else? Yeah, well, let's get into it. So it says this, that they complained about the manna. They complained about the very thing that in Exodus 16, way back, God had given them as a miracle. Now, throughout Exodus and Numbers, the Bible, to show how unreasonable their complaint was, actually tells us tons of stuff about the food manna. Manna was the biggest blessing that these people could have ever experienced. It says in the word of God that manna was palatable to everyone's taste, that somehow everyone enjoyed it. Again, a miracle, yeah? I don't know if you ever tried to host like a family dinner, but it's a miracle, definite miracle. Everyone liked it. Everyone could taste it. It was versatile. 
you could make tons of different food with manna. They say it was actually like a pastry that you could make with oil. Like who doesn't love a pastry? I don't know. They say it was also palatable to the eyes, like it looked good if you were to serve it to guests. Not only that, they also say, the word of God also says that they didn't even have to work for it. They did not have to lift a finger to make or to reap this manna. It was delivered while they slept. Overnight, God dropped this manna from heaven. Angels food, they called it, that they could take. And at one point in Exodus 16, these people stood in awe at the miracle of the manna, at the blessing and the provision of the manna. But now, at this point in Numbers 11, they despise it. They say this in verse 6, our appetite is gone. There's nothing to look at except this manna. Our appetite is gone. You know, physically, when our appetite is gone, we know that there's something wrong. We're probably sick. There's something wrong physically when we do not want lunch, breakfast, dinner. We know that there's something wrong. Can I tell you, it's the exact same spiritually. A lack of hunger for God points to a spiritual condition. When I am not hungry for the things of God the way that I was, I know and I am aware that within me spiritually, I'm not where I should be. It points to a spiritual condition. And God's people, God's very people, the apple of his eye, had lost their appetite for the things of God. They had lost their appetite for the provision and the blessing of God. When you and I don't stand in amazement like we used to, like these people back in Exodus, they stood in amazement at what God had provided for them. When I am at a place in my walk with God and in my life where I am no longer brought to my knees at the thought of salvation, at the forgiveness that I've been given, at the hope of heaven, at the, the, the price that Jesus paid for me, there is something spiritually off. There is something within me that needs to change. And you know what usually happens is when we don't have an appetite, when our appetite is gone, it's usually because we filled up on something else. I don't know, is your mother the same as mine? Would she like never give you a snack, not even a piece of fruit before dinner? Because she's like, I don't want you to lose your, spoil your appetite, lose your appetite. Because ultimately we are human beings. We are to be filled. That's the way God made us is we experience hunger and we get filled in the physical, but also in the spiritual. And so when I am not hungry for the things of God, the way that I was, when I am not standing desperate for the presence of God, ready to go into the house of God, to worship with the people of God, the way that I used to be, there is something that I have filled myself up on that is not of God that is already taking that place that should be yearning for more of him. And we're going to go into another parable that Jesus told in Luke 14. And this is a pretty well-known parable. It's a story about a rich man who decides to put on a massive feast for his friends and for people in the town. And let's read it out and I'll get into what I want to talk about in a minute. It says this, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything's now ready. But they all began to make excuses. The first said, oh, I've just bought a field and I must, I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, oh, I've actually just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. 
Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. These people were full up of something else in their life, that they did not feel the need to attend the feast of the rich man. These people, can I say this? These people were guests and friends of the rich man. This scripture is not necessarily a scripture only for people who don't know God. This is for people who are guests and friends of the king, of the rich man who resembles Jesus. This morning, some of us, and I'm speaking to myself here, have been filled up on other things that the invitation from the king to get in here to my feast and to my table and to the meal that I have for you, the provision and the blessing that I have for you, I'm actually, I'm full. I know I'm a friend and that's why they're really polite. Like, please excuse me. Yeah, I'm not going to take part in that. Please excuse me. But these people were full of things that had actually come from God. Let's look at what they were full. They, they were busy with. Well, I've just bought a field and I have to go and see it. Success. Success. They had earned a bit of money. They were doing really well. They were pretty successful. So successful that they actually couldn't make it to the very feast they needed to be at. What's the second one? I've bought five yoke of oxen. That was their career. Agriculture, farming was their job, their career at that time. Career, accolades, success. All of these blessings that God has given us that can stand in the way of us entering into the banquet and the feast and more of God. And the last one, I just got married. Relationships. I just got married. I can't come. Thank you for the wife you've given me, but uh, I just got married. I can't come anymore. Thanks, Emil. Can I say in the 31 years that I've been living on this earth and I've been a part of church and, and, and what God is doing and all of that kind of stuff, I will never, ever get over. I'm being super honest here. When there's people that we know and in our churches that we pray and believe God for jobs, and we pray and intercede. They're like, God, I need a visa. I need a job. God, I need provision. Will you provide me with a man? And God gives them the blessing that they have been praying and believing for. But then the blessing gets in the way of their walk with the Lord. Sorry, we're actually heading off uh, for a good month. See you later. We won't be in the church. Oh, actually, I'm, I'm really busy in work. I can't make it. We can't make it to the house of God. I can't make it to my prayer time in the morning anymore. I can't have devotion with God because the very blessing that he's given me is now an excuse for my intimacy with him. Take this down. We've lost our appetite when blessings become excuses for not hungering after God. We've lost our appetite when blessings become excuses for not hungering for God. You know, a banquet throughout the Bible, a banquet or a table or a feast, it always represents intimacy with God, intimacy with the Holy Spirit. When you go into someone's home and you sit around a table, you get to know them on a deeper level. You really get to know like what they're going through, their family, their background. There's a relationship that's formed that's different for if you just see them on the street or in work or whatever. You see, what can happen is the very blessings that God has given us can get in the way of our intimacy with the Father, our hungering, our times with God. I know this in my own life when we had a child, it was actually very easy for me to be like, God, I literally don't have a minute to spend with you. I'm, this child does not stop crying. <laughs> like I'm really struggling. And I found it really difficult. I found it really difficult to spend time with God. But I, I remember sitting down with Phil and being like, Phil, I can't, I'm, I'm desperate here. I'm hungry. 
I'm hungry for more of God. We need to figure out a schedule that I can spend time in the presence of God because I'm not doing well. I'm not doing well. Like I'm not hungry the way I was because this blessing I've been probably using as an excuse. And we had to change some things in our lives so that I, in our timetable, our schedule, so that I could spend time with God, even to prepare a message. I'm like, we're doing this, this, and this this week, but I need to make sure that I can get in the presence of God to listen to his voice, to know the direction for my life, to know the direction for this church, to know the direction for your relationship, your future marriage, your children. Don't miss it, guys. Don't miss it by being too busy with the blessings that God has given us. Because what happens eventually is that we're not hungry anymore because we're already full. We're already full up of blessings and things that God has given us. And it becomes an excuse for that time with God. You know, I remember as a child, a teenager, I got my first phone. Nokia 3410. Anyone? 90s children? <laughs> See a few hands. Had these cool little orange lights on the side. And I remember it was like obviously such a big deal at that time. Like it wasn't the way it is where kids get phones at like five or whatever it is now. But um, it was such a big deal. And I remember saying to my dad, like when he'd collect us from, from school in like the, the last year of school, like sixth class or whatever. I remember being like, dad, will you make sure like you, you wouldn't have brought your phone to school at that time? No way, Jose. <laughs> but I remember being like, dad, will you put the phone in the car? So like when, you, when I get out of school, like I can jump in, like go on the phone and play Snake. And you remember Snake? Yes. <laughs> And like, I'd be oh, texting one friend and playing, playing a game on the phone. And I remember my dad was like, yeah, like it's a gift I've given you. Like, I'll, I'll put it in, like I'll give it to you afterwards. And I remember after Christmas, um, he'd, he'd have the phone after school every day. And it got into this routine that I'd literally run into the car, barely say hello to my dad, jump on the phone and just be on the phone the whole journey. And the next day, hey dad, yeah, on the phone. Hey dad, yeah, no, great day, great day. And I remember one day he turned around to me and he said, I gave that to you. I gave you that phone. And you won't even say hello to me. You won't even have a conversation with me. Can I tell you? It's the very same thing with God. I gave you that marriage. I gave you that child you prayed for. I gave you that career, that visa that you needed, that healing that you needed. And now you're so preoccupied with it that you have no time for me. He doesn't care about the phone. My dad just wanted to spend time with me. He just wanted to create relationship and memory with me. That is the heart of our father. He cares that you spend time in the morning or the evening with him. He cares that you listen to his voice and you get to hear what he's saying that day. Do you know why? Because not only is it a blessing to him and it's a delight to his heart, it blesses you more. It's a blessing to you to not miss out on what he wants to say. To come into the house of God every week and say, oh, no, no matter what, we're making time to get to church. God wants to bless me in here. And I've never left the house of God feeling worse off than I had coming in. I've always been blessed. The only weapon that will triumph over us being full up of those things is emptying ourselves to have a deeper hunger. Because God cannot fill what is already full up. That's not how he works. If I have filled myself up with things that are not of him, and if I am too busy and too full, he's not the kind of God that goes, out and I'm getting in. That's not the way he works. It's a relationship. It's permission. Because permission says, I want that relationship. He cannot fill your life with more of his presence when it's already full up. He cannot fill up your life with more of the dreams that he has for your life and the things that he has for you, the relationships and the incredible life that he has for you when you are full up of lesser things. 
Prayer and fasting remind us of our need to be at that table, the only table that matters. You can be at a ton of tables in your life. You can be at the table of career. You can be at the table of image. You can be at the table of relationships and doing really well. But none of that truly matters in eternity if you are not at the table of God, feasting in the presence of God, experiencing the goodness and knowing that intimacy with him. Have you ever come out of a prayer time or a time with God regretting it? Never. If anything, whenever I'm in the presence of God, I'm like, Lord, I need to have more of this. I need, I have a deeper hunger for you now. I need more of this. You know, there's another story that Jesus told of someone who wasn't at a table that he should have been at. Really well-known story. A lot of us will know it, the prodigal son. But the Lord kept bringing it to my remembrance this week. I'm going to read out from Luke 15. It says this, the younger son, this is the younger son of the father. Again, the father represents God. He got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, after he had filled up on everything he wanted, there was a severe famine, hunger, hunger in that whole country. You see, there's no surprise that he was hungry at the end of what he should have been is full up. He should have been full up of everything he had, all the incredible experiences and relationships and all of the things that he wanted to do. It's no surprise that the end result, it wasn't poverty, it was hunger. It was hunger. Now they're closely related, but the Bible says that he was starving. And what I want to note is that it says this. It says that there was a severe famine in that whole country. In that whole country. You see, there was no famine back in the father's kingdom. There was plenty back in the father's kingdom. But where he had decided to go, there was famine. When we are feasting at the table of God and experiencing the presence of God, we will be filled because there is never a lack in the house of God and the place of God. There is never a time that you will get into the presence of God and go, oh God, you know, I didn't get out in there. That was awful. There's never a time because there is never lack. There is never famine. There is never starvation in the, in the kingdom of God and in the presence of God. You know, in Matthew 5, 6, there's an incredible promise for me and you who know God today. And it says this, it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What's the promise? For they will be filled. Blessed are you who hunger. It doesn't feel like it physically, but spiritually hunger is a blessing. It's a blessing. See, this is the paradox, the, the irony of the kingdom of God, that it doesn't always work the way it does in our physical world, is the more hungry you are for God, the more you will be filled. And then when you taste the presence of God, the hungrier you get, the hungrier you become. So I'm hungry for God. I experience his amazing presence, his power. He speaks to me. There's a moment where I'm like, God, I know that was you. And actually it doesn't fill me up, although it does. It makes me hungrier for more of him. Hunger is a blessing. Being filled up by God is actually how you stay hungry for God. If you're like, how do I, I, I want to, I want to be hungry for God, but I don't feel a thing. <laughs> I want to be hungry for God. Why don't you start by filling yourself up with the word of God? Why don't you start by filling yourself up in a time of worship for God? 
blessing his name, honouring his name, magnifying his name. And that is what makes us more hungry. That's the paradox. That's what makes us more hungry. The most mature and blessed Christians that I know are the hungriest for God that I know. The people who are the most mature that you're like, oh, they have seem to really have such a strong relationship with God. Yes, everything's not right for them, but they have a great relationship with God. They're the hungriest people that I know. And listen to this. There is one thing and one thing alone that drove this son back to the father. And it's, in, it's, it's just in the next verse, in verse 11. When he came to his senses, he said... How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. He says, I will set out and go back to my father. It wasn't the poverty that drove him back to the father's house. It wasn't the friends that he had made and lost and the loneliness necessarily that drove him back to the father's house. It wasn't, you know what, this job sucks and I'm just unfulfilled that drove him back to the father's house. What drove him back? Hunger. He was hungry for coming back to the place he should have been and rightfully should have been. If you can get hungry for God, I'm telling you, he will bring you into all he has for you. He will bring you into the place that he has for you. He'll bring you into every promise that he has for your life, every relationship that he has for your life, everything. If you can be hungry for God, hunger has the power to drive prodigals back to God. There is prodigals in all of our lives. There are people in our lives who used to walk with God who no longer want anything to do with God. There is family members in our lives who want nothing to do with the presence and the power of God. Can I tell you, if you on your week of prayer and fasting can get hungry for them, I'm telling you it's a force. It's a power in the kingdom that will drive prodigals back to the house of God. And this week as I've been praying and fasting, people on my heart from years ago Youth leaders that I used to know who no longer want anything to do with God have been on my heart. People who I would have looked up to as a teenager, who inspired me and blessed me and spoke into my life, who no longer, who are a prodigal, who are away from God. This week I've been like, Lord, I'm hungry and I'm hungry on their behalf because I'm interceding and praying and believing that they will walk into this church one day and they'll be touched by the power and the presence of God. That is the power of hunger. If you can get hungry today, God will do not just something in your life, but something in the lives of those that you are believing for. Maybe it's a healing in a family member. Maybe it's deliverance of an addiction in a a member of your family. Can I tell you, God's not just a God who's only about you. It's not always about you. Prayer and fasting isn't always about you. Prayer and fasting can be on behalf of someone in your life who needs a touch from God. And I'm thinking of people in my life. We want to see Phil's sister and brother-in-law and their whole family saved. And we are believing that by us praying and fasting and trusting God, that God is going to work in their life. Am I demanding God to do it? No. I'm saying, God, I'm coming before you and I'm believing for salvation. You're the one with the answer. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm trusting and believing that salvation is your will and you're going to save them. You're going to save them. Give us opportunity, God, as we fast. Give us divine appointments. So if you prayed for that this week, God, as I pray and fast, give me divine opportunities. Give me, if there's a hunger within me, oh God, I pray that it will drive me to the people that you want me to be driven to this week. You know, we're going to come back as I come to a close in just a moment. We're going to come back to the story that I opened with. It's the story of the people of Israel. And so as we read, they were desperate, like no appetite for manna, didn't want it anymore. The provision that God had meant nothing to them anymore. They had no appetite and what they were hungry for was meat. And anyone doing the Daniel fast, I'm sure you're on that same page at the moment. 
but they were hungry for meat. They wanted something else that was not manna. And actually they, they cry and they moan and they scream. And there's a, there's a full bit in between the chapter where they give out to Moses, their leader, and, you know, complain and wish they were back in slavery. And then at the very end of the chapter, God decides to answer their request. And it says this in Numbers 11, 31 to 34 at the end. So a wind went out from the Lord and brought quail in from the sea. Quail is a type of bird at the time that they would, you know, slaughter and eat for meat. And the people stayed up all that day and all night and all the next day and gathered the quail. But while the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people. And the Lord struck the people with a great plague. And so they called the name of that place Kibroth Hatava, because there they buried the people who had yielded to craving yielded to craving. Kibroth Hatava means graves of craving. Graves of craving. Now we live in the New Testament and the wrath of God has been satisfied in Jesus who took our place and all of that. But I will say this, that the people's hunger for things that were not of God eventually led to to death. And symbolically for us, the hunger that we have to fill up on things that are not for us, are not in the house of God, are not in the place of God, are not for us, will lead eventually to spiritual decline and spiritual death. Because what God has for us is something that brings life. Graves of craving. What are you craving for today? And you know, maybe this morning you're in a place where you really are like, Lord, I do want to be hungry for more of you. I want to have a hunger, but I'm struggling to have a hunger for more of you. Will you give me a hunger? You see, nothing that we have comes from ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit within us that deposits within us a hunger. I didn't save myself. I didn't have a desire to be saved. The Holy Spirit put the desire within me and then I responded to it. Yeah, it's it's nothing of me that makes me saved. It's nothing of me that fills me up. It's a hunger that the Holy Spirit deposits in me. Thank you for listening to the Expectation Church podcast. Our vision as a church is to bring Jesus to every heart and every home. You can be a part of this vision by subscribing to this podcast, connecting with us on our social media and financially supporting this ministry. Check out our website at weareexpectation.com for more information and we pray that you have a blessed week.